peace, joy, and love to you, dear siblings in Christ, from Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. I'm going to make the rather dubious move of beginning this Christmas Eve message with not one but two confessions. I confess to you that I typically love Hallmark Christmas movies. And I further confess that this year, I have not made it through a single one from start to finish. I recognize that this runs the risk of alienating almost everyone in the room, because either you are not a Hallmark Christmas movie fan and you think it's dumb that I like them, or you are a Hallmark Christmas movie fan and you can't believe that I've abandoned the club. So please, bear with me. In years past, I have gleefully jumped on the Christmas movie train, sometimes even weeks before Thanksgiving, much to my husband Ben's chagrin. <laughs> I have enjoyed them for all of the reasons that they are so often mocked. I like that they turn my TV into another Christmas decoration. I like that they are sweet and mild. The villains aren't particularly bad, the heroes are a normal amount of good. And most of all, I like that they're predictable. These movies feel like an escape to a place where all the conflicts are swiftly solved and everyone ends up happily drinking hot cocoa and singing Christmas carols, either around the piano or in a gazebo. <laughs> Normally, I love it all. But this year, I just haven't been able to get into them. I could blame my kids' bedtimes or Ben's gentle but relentless teasing, but I think the truth is I'm just too aware this year of how very sad and broken the world can be. When I turn to these movies for an escape, their slightly fake holiday cheer just isn't big or strong enough to block reality. And as long as I'm being honest, this year I have been wondering whether the actual Christmas story, too, is big or strong enough to hold up to reality. Faithful mother, devoted father, cozy barn, awed shepherds, singing angels, a cooing baby, it's really sweet and appealing. But does it have anything to say? after all these years of telling it, to the world we live in. If you've wondered the same thing, you're not alone. If you've caught yourself going through the motions but not really feeling it this season, you're not alone. If you've looked around and thought, might be the most wonderful time of year for some people, but it sure isn't for me, you're not alone. If your circumstances are pretty far from a Hallmark Christmas movie, you feel like Christmas has passed you by, you're not alone. The briefest of glances at the headlines on any given day reveals violence, climate change and environmental disasters, economic woes and political instability. And the headlines from our own lives might include broken relationships, dashed hopes, grief, health crises, family drama and more. It's a lot. Enough to make any honest person ask, 
Does the Christmas story matter? What can a baby God do about this scary, sad world we live in? As I have been pondering these questions, it's occurred to me that part of the problem is the version of the Christmas story that we're telling. The greeting card, sweet and cozy version, appealing as it may be, simply isn't the real one. The real Christmas story is just that, real. It's not a cheery Hallmark scene, it's George Bailey at his most panicked, considering jumping off of that bridge. It's gritty and tense and strange, taking place in a world every bit as broken as ours, filled with characters who tremble with fears just as big and terrible as the ones we face. From the very first lines of Jesus' birth story, in both Matthew and Luke's Gospels, we encounter people who are afraid. In Matthew's version, we hear more about Joseph, who discovers his fiancée Mary is pregnant and not with his baby. Joseph thinks that he only has two equally bad choices. Either he exposes the truth and puts Mary and the baby at risk, or he has to ignore the facts and live a humiliating lie. Matthew also tells us about the wise men who face great perils on their long journey to meet Jesus. When they're finally nearing their destination, they figure it makes sense to ask a king where to find another king. So they check in with King Herod, the local guy in charge. Unfortunately, King Herod is a much worse villain than Mr. Potter, the Grinch, and Scrooge all rolled into one. When he learns about this baby born to be king, he fears a threat to his reign, and all of the people under that reign fear his fear because they know the ensuing wrath will put them all in terrible danger. In the gospel we heard tonight from Luke, there's Mary who quakes in fear when she learns that she will be the mother of Jesus. Mary knows that a pregnancy out of wedlock almost always means at least exile and disgrace, if not death, for her and the baby. Emperor Augustus and Governor Quirinius are mentioned, reminders that everybody in the story lives under oppressive foreign rule. There's the registration probably taken to exact heavier taxes and the difficult road trip it requires of Mary and Joseph. Then there are the shepherds, keeping watch in the night, risking their own well-being to protect their flocks. When first one and then an army of angels appear, the shepherds are terrified, no doubt because the appearance of angels is a startling thing, but also because being afraid is a regular part of their lives. Everyone in this story has reasons to be afraid. And every time an angel shows up with a message from God, the message starts with, don't be afraid, because the world is seeped in fear and needs to hear it. Don't be afraid, the angels declare, because God has seen your fears and responded. How has God responded? What has God done about all of the fear? 
Well, it's a lot better than simply calling out, don't be afraid, from far away. If the best that Christmas could offer us was a pep talk to hang in there, because God's cheering you on from heaven and you'll get there someday, that would be good news, but it might not be good enough news. When you're running a marathon and you hit the wall, or fighting the good fight and find yourself backed into a corner, someone on the sidelines calling out, you can do it, might not be enough. When one of my children has a bad dream in the middle of the night, me yelling out, it's just a dream, or you're okay, from the comfort of my bed won't cut it as much as I sometimes wish that it would. They need me or Ben to come and sit beside them. Often they don't need words at all. They just need someone to be with them. And that's not just true for little ones. When the bad dreams become reality, we all need someone to be with us. When our stories get hard, we need to know that we are not alone in them. And that is the real promise of Christmas. We are not alone. Not being alone is what God has done about all the fears that surround us. The real hope that the real Christmas story offers is that God does not just cheer us on from the sidelines. God jumps over the barrier and enters the race, coming alongside us to be with us. And that story changes our stories. The real Christmas story is the one where God, the creator of the universe, chooses to become one of the created, chooses to enter our mess and fear and darkness so that he can truly say, don't be afraid, I'm here. In the real Christmas story, God and Jesus grows up, spends his life teaching and healing and feeding and loving people, and then gives his life away. Because God stops at nothing, not even dying, to show the world that nothing can stop God's love. And in the real Christmas story, God rises from the dead to defeat death forever and to proclaim, don't be afraid. Your fears are never the end. I am. That story is certainly big enough and strong enough to carry us through the hardest parts of our own stories. That story means that you are never alone, that God is here with you, for you, that God's love for you is bigger than anything and everything you fear. That story means that even if you never reach the part where you're drinking hot cocoa and singing carols in a gazebo, Jesus will reach you wherever you are. He does reach you. And you live your story in his abundant love and everlasting life. Thanks be to God for that good news of great joy. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.